This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Let's pray. Lord God, we ask this favor of you today, and that is that, that you would make a move. That you'd make a move into our hearts afresh, and that as you bring your word to us, it molds us to look more and more like you so that as we go out into your world, we may influence people with you in the good news of Jesus. We pray this in his powerful and saving name. Amen. Albert F. Siebert was born on October 18, 1879, in Dayton, Ohio. His father was a pastor, and he grew up there in Dayton, then he went off to college, to Wittenberg College, and after graduating from Wittenberg College, he moved back to Dayton, Ohio, and became a salesperson at the National Cash Register Company. He worked there for 19 years, After 19 years, though, he transitioned, and he took a a sales manager position at a different company, A.H. Peterson Manufacturing Company in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He was to head up the sales force of a brand new, newly engineered product, a handheld electric drill. It was going to change the world. But then a disastrous fire struck and destroyed the company's building. The company had to file for bankruptcy. They couldn't recover. Mr. Siebert ended up buying the remaining assets of that company and formed his own company, Milwaukee Electric Tool Company. And again, the business was off and and ready to go, but then the Great Depression hit. The company managed to limp along during the Great Depression, but after the Great Depression was over, that company, Milwaukee Electric Tool Company, soared and thrived far greater than Mr. Siebert ever even imagined. And in 1952... Mr. Siebert decided that he would give his interest in that company over to God. Mr. Siebert lived for eight more years, but in that eight years, he was able to see a significant amount of impact and influence that the Siebert Lutheran Foundation had already had. The Siebert Lutheran Foundation, understand, has played a part in funding just about every pastor's education in our entire network of churches. The Siebert Lutheran Foundation has made grant money for the ministry center at Victory. 
They also gave grant money for our online studio and our, our new office spaces. The Seabird Foundation also helped fund the second pastor position at Victory. And in addition to that, in its history, the Seabird Foundation has granted roughly $135 million for ministry. Talk about investing for influence. Today, as Pastor Ben mentioned, we're going to be continuing our series, Influencers, and we're going to look at how we can invest for the greatest influence of all. Last week, Pastor Ben had us in uh, 1 Timothy. We're going to go back to that book today again. 1 Timothy is written by Paul, a follower of Jesus. And he's writing to Timothy, a young pastor. He's mentoring Timothy. But, but keep in mind, the Holy Spirit is using Paul and these words that we're going to run in today to mentor you and me. That's the important thing. And here are the words. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of a life that is truly life. So the first step in making a, an investment that will have the greatest influence of all is probably counterintuitive to us. It's to be content. How do, how do we be content? How, how are we content when we're satisfied right here, right now with what we have? Our possessions, our status, our career, our everything. We're, we're just content. We're satisfied. We enjoy it. And if that circumstance changes either to the left or to the right or up or down, we're just content. We're at peace. Begin to make an influence by being content in your life. Back in the day when I used to do youth ministry and then campus ministry, a, a typical question that we would ask and virtually everybody would ask of a, a graduating high school senior and a, a brand new college freshman is, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? 
And almost all of the students, not all of them, but almost all of the students, their answer contained a profession that would roll in the cash. They wanted to be rich. They wanted to make money, not so much so that they could give 10% to savings, Uh, Not so much so that they could give 10% to charity, but so that they could have serious bank for themselves. So they could do what they wanted to do, buy what they wanted to buy, when they wanted to buy it. They wanted to be rich. And maybe that whole concept of being rich And wanting to be rich hits a little closer to home than we would maybe want to admit. Because you see, we so often think that if we have money, if we have uh, enough money, we can get this thing, that thing, everything, all the things, including happiness. I'm not sure how many of us would confess to being materialistic. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Mm -hmm. And some of you know this story, though. About eight years ago, Jackie and I had two Zambian missionaries stay with us for about two weeks when we lived in Madison. And when I picked up these two men from Chicago O'Hare, this was the size suitcase that they brought. Notice I said suitcase and not suitcases. Two men, two weeks, a carry-on bag will fit in the overhead bed. I don't know about what your weekend excursions look like, but I know when I go away for like a day conference, I need a bag like this just for my running clothes, right? See, this is what I'm pretty sure of. If, If those Zambian pastors would look in my closet today or look in your closet today, they would have real trouble not coming to the conclusion that, in fact, you and I are materialistic. Even though you and I will look into the same closets and go, I don't have anything to wear. Here's the thing about all the things we have and all the things that that we want to have They're going to wear out. They're going to get broken. They're going to spoil. They're going to perish. They're going to deteriorate. They're going to become irrelevant. When I was in high school, I I played on on the basketball team, and there was a, a new pair of shoes out. They were the, the latest and greatest. I, I had to have them, you know. 
And, and out of the norm, out of the norm, my parents went and, and got me these super expensive shoes. They were Converse shoes. They were white leather Converse, low-top shoes with a gray star on them. They were amazing. I look great sitting on the bench. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and those shoes, I don't think they even made it to college with me. Where are those shoes at now? I, I, I can't have any other picture in my mind that they've disintegrated in some landfill. Maybe, maybe the rubber soles are still causing some kind of pollution. But that's it. Think about all the things that, that you had to have that you now have. Or think about all the things that, that you want to have. What are those things going to look like five years from now? Or 10 years from now? Or 20 years from now? We so often forget that these things that we, we just have to have. They're going to wear out. They're going to become irrelevant. We wouldn't be caught dead because with them, the, the styles change. One of the things we so often forget, too, is the, the things that we accumulate here, the things that we get, they're not going with us. The Scripture says, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. I think it was Billy Graham who first said, you know, I've, I've never seen a hearse with a U-Haul trailer behind it. Mm-hmm. But you know what? God's love never falters. God's love never fails. God's love is never irrelevant. God's love is everlasting. See, we can be content, not so much because our closets are full, our garages are full, or our storage units are full, or because our retirement accounts are full, but we can be content because of Jesus, who never changes. God's word says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. See, money's main lure is is power and the pride it feeds. You see, you and I, we so often think that if we have money, we have hope. But to be clear now too, right? Money is not the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money is the gateway drug to destruction. The pursuit of money is the issue. 
not money itself, but the pursuit of money. The pursuit of money is not the same as the pursuit to happiness, let alone the pursuit of God. Our hope is in God and not in earthly things that will sooner or later perish, spoil, and fade away. I know any number of people, and I'm sure you do too, I know any number of people who are, are wealthy. They're wealthy. And I know any number of these people who are wealthy, they control their money. Their money doesn't control them. And, and here's the common denominator for those people, and that is, they're content. They have money. They don't have money. It doesn't matter. They're content. They know that everything is God's to begin with and to end with. So how can we invest for the greatest influence of all? Be content. Thankful for what you have. Knowing that God's love is eternal. Jesus, this is, this is where Holy Spirit help us. Jesus is enough. Not Jesus and the car. Not Jesus and the basketball shoes. Not Jesus and the house. Not Jesus and fill in the blank. Jesus is enough. It's our security and hope. Paul goes on and he continues to mentor those of us who are rich already. And he says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. We are already rich in God. God is very generous to us. He richly and daily provides all that we need, food and clothing, house and drink, shelter, everything that we need for our body in life. He's blessed us richly. He's blessed us not for you and me to hoard it up. He's blessed us richly so that we would help others. We're not to be hoarders, but to be helpers. God hasn't set us up to be accumulation sinners. He set us up to be distribution sinners. 
We are to be dispensaries of God's good gifts, not hoarders of God's good gifts. You know what happens when we, when we start to hoard God's gifts instead of share them? Our love for God begins to decrease and our love for things begins to increase. We're rich in God. His well is never gonna run dry. We can distribute. God's invested in us. God, God's made investment for us, not only in our earthly things, but eternal things. God has given us the greatest gift of all, his son, Jesus, who is the most influential and most generous person of all. Think back on, on some of the times in Jesus' earthly life where he showed and demonstrated various forms of generosity. Jesus, the, the great teacher, the rabbi, is teaching multitude of people. He's sharing with them the truths of God that are penetrating and changing their lives. And at, at the end of the day, the people, while they're appreciative of what they heard, they're, they're, beyond, they're hungry. They're famished. And Jesus, some of you will know it, fed the 5,000 that day. And yeah, I know it was a miracle, but he didn't have to do it. He did it because he's generous. His love showed through in generosity. Jesus is generous with his time. Family needed help. A child was dying. Jesus was on the way to go and, and meet that family where they were at but he got intercepted. He got intercepted by a, a woman who had, had spent all the money that she had on doctors trying to get a medical cure for the disease that she had. And Jesus stopped and was generous with his time and met her where she was at, healed her, and then continued on to that family to provide for them. But most importantly, we see Jesus' generosity in the investment that he made in each and every one of our eternal lives. Jesus treasured your eternal life so much that he gave up his life. He, he gave up his life not so that he could see what he could get out of it, not for his benefit, but he gave up his life for what you could get out of it, for your benefit. The scriptures say, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. For those who may not know, and for those who maybe have forgotten, Jesus lived a, a perfect life in absolutely every way, thought, word, and deed, and that includes in generosity. And, and Jesus 
again, gave up his life. He not only did that, but he, he gave up his life for all the times when you and I haven't been so perfect in our lives of generosity. Where we've been discontent, where we've been greedy, and where we've been selfish. Jesus' perfect life and innocent death is the ransom price that makes us rich forever. Did you get that last bit? Forever. Through Jesus Christ, heaven awaits for all who believe. When's the last time you considered that you were rich in Christ? Oh, oh man, we're, we're rich in Christ. When we pray, we're, we're not praying to a pauper. We're not praying to, to someone who doesn't have any control over anything. We're praying to the one who is all-wise, all-knowing, the one who owns everything in the entire universe. It's all really his. Oh, man. What an honor to go to God in prayer. We're, we're rich. When we open up God's word, when we read God's word, whether that's the, the verse of the day or a, a Bible reading program that we're in or, or a devotion that we're in, understand that word that we come into kind of, Holy Spirit uses that to create faith, sustain faith for all eternity. We're rich. God's word is far better than golden nuggets. When we worship God, it's not like we're, we're before some actor or, or actress that's worth millions of dollars or some athlete worth millions of dollars or before some king, you know, some dignitary. No, we're, we're in the presence of the king of kings. Royalty. God Almighty himself. When we take the Lord's Supper, it's worth far more than some seven-course meal. When we're standing in line, you know, and trying to figure all this out with our continuous flow thing that we'll figure out one day. Don't hold your breath, but we'll figure it out one day. Far greater meal, far more elegant than some white table, seven course meal. When we receive the Lord's Supper, we get forgiveness of sins, that, that little wafer, that little wine, that body and blood of Jesus. We get forgiveness of sins. And where there's forgiveness of sins, there's new life 
and salvation. Oh, we're rich. We're rich. For those who've been baptized, been adopted into God's family. He's the father. We're in his family. We're heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. We're rich. We're rich. Have you ever forgotten that you're rich in Christ? When we forget that we're rich in Christ, or we didn't even know that we could be rich in Christ, this is how we typically live. We'll put our hope in money. Like that's gonna solve everything. We'll treasure up earthly things that are gonna be useless five years, 10 years, 20 years. We'll think we're rich or poor based on the amount of things that we've accumulated. We'll look at what we have, whether it's our bank account or our things, and we'll say we earned it. When we share, We'll go, oh man, I don't know. I'm gonna give this away, and if I give this away, then I won't be able to have this, and you know, or I'll give this away because I got all this, you know, and we're just gonna be afraid that we're gonna miss out. When we forget we're, we're rich in God, we'll, we'll give and we'll just think how great we are for sharing. When we forget that we're rich in Christ, We won't share Jesus and his good news because we'll just think it's not that big a deal. How can we invest for the greatest influence of all? Remember, you're rich in Christ. And when we remember that we're rich in Christ, we'll be content. Our hope, our treasure will be in Jesus. We'll distribute, we'll give away, we'll share abundantly, joyfully, generously. We'll have this inner peace and security. We'll share Jesus and his good news, investing in souls, because that's the investment that has the greatest influence of all. Let's pray. Lord God, what what do we say? Everything we have and everything we are, it's, it's all because of you. You've made us rich.
Lord, help us to keep our eyes on you and not get distracted by things that'll perish and spoil and and fade away, but help us to treasure and cherish you. You're not only royalty, you're our friend, you're our God, and, and you're our Savior. Holy Spirit, lead us to be content and to be generous. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.